Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. NFL Draft is here. Silver 7's on a Thursday. This is our Thursday home. Draft is coming up a little after 5 o'clock. We're going to carry you through the uh, first three, four picks in that first hour between 5 and 6, and then we'll hand it off to the national coverage. It's Cofield at Silver 7, Flamingo and Paradise. We've got VGK Hockey tonight as they try to close out the peg in Game 5, try to take this thing home with a 4-1 margin. John Von Tobel is with us. Angels running the controls here back in our Finley Toyota studios. Or studios. It's Ari. Um, if you want hardcore Raider breakdown and really good draft breakdown, because we're going to do a lot of NBA and VGK today with the draft, uh, turn us off right now. And turn on Raider Nation Radio 920 as Q Myers just took it from noon to 3. And JT the Brick, along with former Raider Eric Allen, are down at the Raiders headquarters. And Lincoln Kennedy, who's at the Raiders draft party, will also be in as well. That'll go from 3 to 5, so 9.20 a.m. is the site. Check that. Is the uh, station for that one. So we'll kind of mix it up today. I know John's great on the NBA, and there's a lot going on in the National Basketball Association. Uh, For the hockey game tonight, 77-cent beers. Yes. Bud Light. Bud. McUltra. At both bars during the game. That's all Golden Knights hockey games the rest of the way in the playoffs. And, of course, they'll have the draft on at both bars. God, we got a lot to get into. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. You don't even have football gear on. What are you doing? I got my Jets hat on. You got an Angels hat on, which, uh, okay. This is this is a ma- – you know, it's funny. When you send over your stories, one of the most fascinating teams at the top of the draft because they're run by a madman – are the Indy Colts. That's right. You are a Colts fan. Were you trying to suppress all of your feelings coming into the draft today? This is, today could be the beginning of a new glorious era with the right quarterback, or it could be the continuation of what has been right. a living hell, kind of mediocrity if you pick the wrong guy. But you guys may do something else. You may trade out of the spot, get a different quarterback later. You may take a defensive player. Who knows what you do? Uh, I know the one thing you don't want, and this is a big storyline going into today because of what's happened this week, but you said this months ago. Are you still on board with your theory you don't want the Colts to take Will Levis? No, at this point, I just want them to take somebody. <laughs> Wait, you know any, any I mean? player, period? No, no, like... You're like, like oh, no, they, they ran out of time. They lose the right, pick. Right, No, like, give... Like, my whole thing now over the last few weeks has evolved into just take a young quarterback. Like, you just... You need to. Whether or not that person works out, obviously you have no idea. And if it's Will Levis, it's Will Levis. But I think at this point, when you look at the path that the Colts have taken to get to today, where they have the fourth overall pick... You can't keep doing the revolving door quarterback. You have to have something to build on here if you're Indianapolis. And if it's Will Levis, it's Will Levis. I, if it's Anthony Richardson, it's Anthony Richardson. I'd be excited about either one. I just wanted to take a freaking quarterback. Like, you just you have to at this point. There is no skipping out on this. There's no trading down. Like, I think this is the time where you just got to do it. Because next year's draft, you could say, 
Like, hey, you know, next year's draft, the quarterback at the top is really awesome. Sure, but then you have to navigate your way to get to that point still. Here you have a fourth overall pick. Just go get the guy. So the notion is you're guaranteed in the four hole to get a quarterback prospect. You don't want to take the chance and take a pillar of football organizations. I'll call the pillars, as I've been repeating this all week, an offensive tackle, a cornerback, or a defensive lineman. That's how you build your football team if you have a good football organization, unless there's a guaranteed quarterback there. You're not willing to take that risk, get you know one of those pillars, and wait for next year and see what happens, and maybe you get Caleb Williams. And by the way, there are other prospects. These things develop, right? right. Anthony Richardson was not really on the radar as a potential top 15 pick after last year. There is going to be someone else who develops as a potential top 15 candidate, so you don't want to roll the dice, though. No, because, look, because I think if you're a team, the Colts are not like the Bears or they're not like the Texans in that their roster is just almost devoid of talent, right? Those teams, I think, they're in the market of, yeah, we need a quarterback. We also need as much talent as possibly can. So, like, let's take guys that will maximize everything. Colts still have some pretty good pieces on this roster. So I think that's why you're in the, the neck of the woods of you're like, all right, we need to find our guy now. Because let's say you get – let's say it's Will Levis. Let's just say for this this thought experiment that they get Will Levis at number four because that seems every sign's pointing to if they get him there, they're going to get him. Like if Will Levis comes in and is an adequate starting quarterback, well, there's a Colts team to win like seven games be pretty competitive in a division if they get adequate quarterback play. I get it. You know, so I think that is why exactly you have to go that route and get a quarterback today. So let's set this thing up in the first round. So we got the first round of the draft going down tonight. We'll have it right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll cut into the draft live at 6 o'clock. And also during the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to throw to the podium and get the pick from Raj and maybe even recap some of the big hugs that he gets. Um, In the draft overall, there are three teams that have 12 picks. The Raiders are one of them. It is not expected that they will make all 12 picks. I don't know if the Texans would do that. I don't think the Packers would. Uh, Raiders are good enough where they're not going to have, you know, 12 guys make a roster, so they're going to have to – they'll probably look to move around, and we'll see if they get aggressive with those second-round picks or that extra third they got for Darren Waller. So Texans, Raiders, Packers have 12 picks. Um, Least amount of picks, five, Dolphins, because they've been acquiring experienced players like Chubb and Tyreek Hill over the years, so they've only got five. I love these situations because this allows for maneuverability as well or setting yourself for the future. Texans have two picks, two and 12. Seahawks at five and 20. uh, Lions, six and 18. Eagles, amazing, right? Yep. Eagles at 10 and 30. They all have two picks tonight. And then uh, no first rounder for all these teams who said, like the Rams, F them picks. Uh, Rams, Niners, Dolphins, Broncos. Broncos have uh, Russ Wilson and Sean Payton. So Rams, Niners, Dolphins, Broncos, Browns. Well, and the Dolphins got theirs taken away from them. So that's that's a good point. <laughs> they yeah, they so. didn't say F the pick. So. The NFL said F that pick. No, no, <laughs> no first round pick. Is that what was that? The tampering with Brady? Yes. Nice. Very nice. That worked out for them. They're uh, they're looking you know in pretty good shape for next year. the The odds as of early this morning, and I'm guessing that number one pick is off the board because I heard uh, I see Sal Powell talking about. The number one pick now. It looks like ESPN reported a little while ago that Bryce Young is going to be the number one pick. Now, in town, you can't bet these anyway. They were off the board yesterday at 5 o'clock, right? I know right. You, you scoff at that one. Um, as of this morning in Arizona at DraftKings, uh, Bryce Young was 18-1. to 1. Levis was 6-1. to 1. There were hot rumors about Levis from Reddit. Uh, Stroud, 12-1. to 1. Richardson, 50-1. to 1. The Florida quarterback, Will Anderson, 100. Jalen Carter, 100. But really, the 
the stories that, that are going to develop in the first round, John, revolve around the Houston Texans at two, depending on who they take or if they trade the pick. And the Cardinals, whether it's a smokescreen or not, uh, Big Roos, Diana Rossini, who's very little actually, but big personality, right? She, she reports the Cardinals want out of three. They want to move out of the three slot. So right now at, at two, the odds of a little while ago, and this sets up what happens going down to the Raiders. I mean, I think the Raiders are going to kind of realize, hey, there's a chance here to get a quarterback, depending on what happens at two and three. Number two picks, uh, if the Texans stay there, the belief is they're going to take Will Anderson, minus 350, or Tyree Wilson, another defensive lineman, 275. Uh, if they if this whole thing has been a Texans-created C.J. Stroud smear campaign, maybe they take him. And, you know, they didn't care about his, his whatever his score was, his S2 score at 18%. Stroud's three to one. You got Richardson at thirty to one, another quarterback option. And if some miracle weird weirdness happened, Bryce Young's fifteen to one if he slipped to number two. So that that two slot is gigantic tonight. What the Texans do, and uh, you know, crazy Nick Casario, because uh, they have two and twelve, they can have a lot of strategery here. Yeah, and I don't think. It wouldn't make much sense to hold the second overall pick and then smear C.J. Stroud if you're just going to take him number two. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Teams have done weirder things. What I think is interesting is, as you mentioned, they're one of the two teams that have two first-round picks. So I think a lot of people would be surprised to go, why wouldn't you take a quarterback there? Well, if you're not overly thrilled with any of these quarterbacks, why not take the best edge rusher? Again, you're a team that's devoid of talent. And that doesn't necessarily mean you sit back at 12 and wait. Well, that means if, let's say, I don't know, Will Levis. What if the Colts rumors aren't true? What if he slips? And you're like, ooh. I can get up to maybe number seven now with the Las Vegas Raiders and go get them or something like that. I could just stay at 12. Right. You could stay at 12 and get there. Or you could stay at 12 and get Anthony Richardson potentially and just develop him for a year and see what your future is going to look like. So uh, the Texans obviously hold all the keys because if they go the route that now most expect, which would be edge rusher, be it Anderson or or Wilson, then it opens up everything. Do teams want to trade up to get (laughs) C.J. Stroud at number three? Or, Or... are they all out on Stroud, much like everybody else believes? And the Colts are going to sit there and get their pick of the litter between Anderson, Stroud, or excuse me, Anderson, Stroud, Levis, and Richardson. Like it's what the Texans want to do there, and subsequently what happens after with number three. Like that's where the cliche, the draft begins. Like that's where the draft begins. John Von Tobel, Cofield, Silver Sevens, ESPN, Las Vegas. We're getting ready for the NFL draft. They start to uh, unveil the picks after five o'clock. We'll be here live, calling the draft, throwing to the podium all during that hour, our normal three to six slot. So I got to watch a little bit of, I don't even know what the ESPN series is called, but they've been doing breakdowns of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, and they're all like 23 minutes and 43 seconds, like all in that time range. And I watched some of the special last night on Anthony Richardson. He really is a fascinating guy. First of all, the size and athleticism. I mean, he is a legit 240 at 6'4". He was standing next to Eli and Peyton Manning because he went after last season uh, two seasons ago, his first year at Florida. He went to the QB camp, served as a mentor. I mean, he's every bit as big as both of those guys. And I don't think people, you know, realize how big Peyton, maybe not from a thickness standpoint, they're both probably about 230, right. but how big Peyton and Eli are from a height standpoint. So Richardson was right there with him. I mean, he's a truck. He's doing backflips, the running ability. He really is a very intriguing prospect. And Q Myers uh, and a few others are on this interview, but Q is on the road in Kansas City for Raider Nation Radio 920 and Lotus Broadcasting. It's brought to you by uh, his coverage on the road, Subaru Las Vegas, and Paul Padalaw. And you'll hear Q here in a couple of seconds, but we'll start off this portion of the uh, one-on-one, sort of, with Anthony Richardson uh, asking him, hey, what are you thinking about? Just a few hours, this was uh, yesterday, a few hours 
before your life changes forever. Just put in a lot of work just to get here. So I just think about all the things I've been through. And I think about my life. And I just, like, wow, my life's really about to change. Yeah, but, no, that's just the beginning of the journey. You know, just getting started. You know, I'll get, I get picked up tomorrow, and then that's, that's where everything, you know, takes off from there. What is your greatest asset? Honestly, I feel like it's the way I, you know, interact with people, you know, uh, create memories for them and just impact people. I feel like that's the greatest aspect I say in my life. When teams ask you, look, your, your stats at Florida, they're good. They weren't. Not super, great. Yeah. Right, exactly. So what's the answer to that? You know, uh, help me make them great. You know, uh, I'm putting in work. I know they're going to put in the work. So it's going to be a great collaboration. We're going to make the numbers great. Do you agree with the idea that you are the most gifted quarterback in this class? No, I feel like everybody's gifted in their own way. So uh, some, somebody might say, yeah, they're gifted. But I, I also believe I'm gifted as well. So we all gifted in our own way. Appreciate you. What, what would your uncle be thinking right now, knowing that you're ready ready to be on this stage? Honestly, I feel like, you know, he's a tough guy, but I feel like he'll, he'll be crying right now. You know, um, it, it's been a long process, long journey for you know, my family and I. So just thinking about it, I feel like he'll be definitely excited for me. You wrote that piece on the Players' Tribune. Incredible. What made you feel like you had to put that out there and let it be known? Just kind of give everybody a little bit of background on who you were. You know, uh, honestly, you know, I don't think people know enough about me. You know, they just see me on the field, I'm jumping around, flipping, running by people and all that. They see that part of, part of me, but they don't see the, the other side of me and why I work so hard and, and why I love this game. So I feel like that was just a, a, a little token to them and just, you know, showcasing, you know, who I am as a person. Where did that work ethic come from? Because you have it. Where did it come from? Definitely my mom, you know, just seeing the way she worked. You know, she, and she sacrificed a lot for my brother and I. So, uh... I just got it from her, and it's just been in me since. What did you think of, I mean, and you wrote in the piece about her interviewing you on, in the car, and you're like, why are we doing this? Do you think back about that a lot now? I think about it all the time. <laughs> like, like right now, I'm getting yeah. interviewed, but like at the time, I hated it, because all I want to do is just take a nap. I'm like, well, why are we doing this? Right. And she's like, you know what, you're going to need it one day. And, you know, like I say, look at me now, just doing it. And here you are. So yeah. at your pro day, right after you wrapped up and ran down the field, one of the people that greeted you first was GM Dave Ziegler of the Raiders. Uh, what do you think? Have you what do you thought about the Raiders? What do you think about your visit to uh, to Vegas? You know, I feel like it was a great visit. You know, uh, that's a great organization, and great people in the building. So. Uh, if they were to draft me, I feel like we'll, we'll do great things together. You check out the, the facilities and everything? What did you think of yeah, those? It was, it was pretty nice. You know, I think they told me they just, they just built it a couple of years ago. Yeah. But no, it's, it's a nice building. Not, not anything like Florida, but <laughs> hey. <laughs> Final question for you. So what, what is the team getting in Anthony Richardson when they select you tomorrow? Uh, they get somebody that's going to work. You know, that's all I'm about, working, working, working. Because I know it's, it's other people across this world uh, will die to be in this situation I'm in. So I wouldn't take it for granted. I'm just going to work. Appreciate your time, man. Good luck. And that was, that was good stuff that you wrote. Appreciate you. It was good stuff. Check it out. Players' Tribune. That interview was really good. And uh, the questions and answers that started it off before a cue popped in there, uh, those were awesome as well. But, yeah, the uh, Players' Tribune, Anthony Richardson story, look it up. It just starts out, dear NFL GMs. First of all, I liked how he answered a couple of the questions. Sounds like a humble kid, and he's a hungry kid. Yeah. But – his best asset, just how he interacts with people. I think that that's good self-awareness. And by the way, this could all be from what his mom schooled him on in interviews. I don't care. He gave good answers because the first guy who was asking him questions kind of threw him some questions where he could sound like he was really selfish. And every time he kind of bounced back with like, you know, what was it? Are you, are you, the, mo- are you the most talented guy? You have to position in the draft. He's like, no, nah, they're all talented. 
or the uh, the finishing of the sentences. You know, your stats in Florida were he's like they weren't that great. Like you know, I love that. No, he he, he sounds like a really well polished individual and. The interacting with other people is pretty important when you're talking about being the leader of a team and essentially the face and CEO of a franchise as a quarterback. If you're selected tomorrow, which he's going to be, you're going to be thought of as being the guy for whatever team selects you. Got to be able to be good with people. Good job by Anthony Richardson. We're going to be talking to a bunch of, or Q did, a bunch of the top draft picks. A lot of guys who are candidates to potentially go to the Raiders at number seven. Q's trip to the NFL draft in Kansas City is brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas and Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Get 77 cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on Golden Knights game days at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. All right, rolling on here from Silver Sevens. NFL draft is coming up. JVT is here, John Von Tobel. First pick should be shortly after 5 o'clock this evening. We just talked to Anthony Richardson, or Q Myers did, on the road in Kansas City. We'll have more of the draft conversations as the show moves along. Can't bet the draft anymore here. Do you know, is DraftKings still up? In oh. Are the Zona books still up? Um, are they up? Yeah, they, they still up. You can bet the draft live at DraftKings. Oh, no way. Yes. All right. Are you, still, are you still, have you come to the Adam Hill side of things, kind of the understanding that, no. hey, the books here just, you know, they've lost big in the past, so they're going to. Reduce liability, or should they be competing with everyone else in the country? A lot of places that had picks up pretty early and, like you just said, have live in play. You should be competing. I mean, I, I don't understand this belly aching about losing. Like, yes, you've lost at the event. The lights are still on. And every other event that you book, you have a pretty nifty hold percentage on that keeps you going. Um, I, I, don't, I don't agree at all. Like, I understand what they're saying, but I don't agree with how it has been handled in any way, shape, or form because – People are going to still come and bet when they lose, right? Like, put it on and compete because it, it, it goes past, Steve, just the NFL draft. I mean, I brought this up before. You know, this is something small, but it speaks to what's going on in, like, the grand scheme of things. The NBA playoffs, right? Final day of the regular season ends. Within an hour, DraftKings fans, all these places have these series prices up, have series spreads, have all these things you can bet on. You didn't get anything out here in Las Vegas until 48 hours later almost in some spots. Like, those are things where you're just like, guys, like, come on. Like, compete a little bit here. And to not really offer anything or to hang stuff up, you know, a couple of days before and then take it down 24 hours before where no other place has that rule that you have to take it down 24 hours before, it's just another sign that a lot of these other online shops are kind of moving past Vegas in some instances, I will say. On the way back here, Nick Wright raving about Jimmy Butler and my oh my, what a series. We're going to hear from Giannis in a couple of minutes about how he reacted to the loss and being called a failure. Not exactly called a failure. Would you sell, Would you call this a failure? But... Uh, Jimmy Butler comes up again real big. I saw that you had tweeted out the other day something about uh, who's the best player in the history of the Heat. We'll get to that By the way, in the Big Four. That was a year-old tweet. Think oh, about was it? The, oh, yeah. Think about how great Jimmy oh, Butler's my God. been. That was a year-old tweet that I retweeted. So this game didn't – or uh, this series didn't come down to one play or, you know, one game. Uh, but it was pretty glaring last night. Listen, if you are going to have an agitator, a thug on your roster, he's got to be at least smart. Right? You can't make stupid plays. And one of the biggest thugs in the NBA, Grayson Allen, <laughs> that was horrific last night. That was. And like, so for those who did not see it, it, there's about six seconds left when the Heat or when the uh, Bucks get the ball down two, a little bit more than that. They go down court and they're wildly trying to get something off here. By the way, two timeouts in pocket. That's one of the things we could talk about later. 
And the ball finds its way to Grayson Allen with two seconds left on the clock, and he tries to dribble past his defender, doesn't even get a shot off, dribbles the clock out, doesn't get anything up, and the Heat, or excuse me, well, yeah, the Heat win, and the Bucks lose, and they get eliminated. The, that final sequence in and of itself was just insane. I keep saying this, Steve. Old Mike Budenholzer showed up in this series. I don't know what happened. He completely regressed as a coach. To have two timeouts in your pocket and for your team to get the ball with seven seconds left and you don't get a shot off, when you clearly see that they're scrambling, even, like Steve, to your point about like having Grayson Allen, you have Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you're head coach of the Bucks, Steve, and you see Grayson Allen catch the ball with two seconds left, are you not screaming timeout? to try to get something drawn up for three of your much better players? Like, I, I was amazed by what, by what happened yesterday, just in that sequence alone, outside of what happened in that game in the final two games of the series for Milwaukee. Disappointing, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the East is balanced. I don't think the Bucks are, like, an overwhelming favorite yes. coming in. But, and the Heat have, the Heat are not your typical AT, but come on. You got to win this series, right? Well, and look, there, so we can get to the intricacies of this series overall, right? Where Miami had shot in the regular season, they were twenty third, twenty fourth in three point shooting, right? They come into this series, Steve, and they shoot 48 percent as a team from three. Like, is that sustainable? No, it's crazy. They had crazy shooting performances through multiple games. Jimmy Butler scored nearly a hundred points in two consecutive games. Those are things in Milwaukee that you're like, well, you can make some adjustments, but those are some crazy things to happen for you. And you lost your best player in the first quarter of game one, and you didn't get him back until game four. So you kind of understand everything that really transpired from Milwaukee. But at the end of the day, you had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter of game four, and you had a double-digit lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter of game five. You can't lose those games as the one seed against a Heat team that, frankly, like I would disagree actually with your statement. If you watch the Heat in the regular season, they stunk. They weren't good. They won their division and got into the postseason because Atlanta and everybody else just wouldn't take it from them. And then you saw what happened when they ran into Atlanta that finally had a good coach on their sideline in the play-in game. I, like, it's, it is a disappointment all the way around. And dare I say, as the one seed, a failure. Okay. Not everyone's willing to say that, and there's been a debate. It's too bad this is buried by the NFL draft today, but this whole notion of a uh, big favorite you know, not going on to at least the Eastern Conference Final or – Winning a title, especially when their best player Giannis is in his prime, so a media member yesterday asked Giannis, "Is this season a failure?" You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know. Um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. A lot of people are on Giannis' side. The American mentality, and at least the way people talk about the NBA, normally would be, you're wrong. It's a failure. You're in your prime. You've already won a title. It's a failure. Um, I respect Giannis, and I think he has a different mindset than a lot of athletes. That's all cool, but likening it to a media job and goals and success in a year, sports are just different. They are. Right. They just, they, there's no, there is no championship Correct. for most of us in our jobs. Now, if – I mean, there are jobs where, hey, if you don't hit your top goal, 
you could look at that as a failure. I don't know if your employer would, but him trying to, and, and you know, it's off the cuff, him trying to equate uh, a newspaper, a writer, to competing for a championship, it's, it, to me it's different. I, I think you hit it right there because even because we cut that part out is when he's kind of getting amped up because, one, you can clearly he, tell he doesn't like the word failure, right? But, like, even then he, he starts to come off of it. But I, I think generally I think everybody, and I say everybody, I mean the media, likes Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so they're willing to look at an exchange like this and go, man, this guy really gets it. We enjoy him. But if it's a guy like LeBron James or somebody who, I don't want to say has greater expectations, but takes up a bigger mental space for a lot of people that they want to go after in a negative light, I think he doesn't get away with stuff like this commentary-wise. Uh, to your point about him getting amped up, it's actually at the beginning of this cut as he continues to talk about uh, this season that he doesn't believe it was a failure in spite of the fact that the Bucks, the top seed, lost to the eight, and they're out of the playoffs in the first round. You know, and if you've never – I don't know, I don't want to – I don't want to make it personal. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me? No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful, some days you're not. Some days it's your turn, some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. There you go. You don't always win. But sports are judged differently. That's just the way it is. And I do respect Giannis for not making it personal and, you know, attacking the writers. You know, I'm guessing he was going in the direction. You've never accomplished anything as much as we did, which you might be right. I don't think he was. I, can I really quickly yeah, just yeah. say, because now we got to go. Uh, this, all, this does echo his words. I don't know if you saw this going around. It popped up on TikTok immediately. It does echo words from Kobe a few years ago that actually said a lot of the same stuff, which is essentially – you only fail if you go to work the next day and don't work at trying to get better from what you failed at. And I think that was kind of what Giannis was trying to say. Cofield and Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. CJ Stroud kind of fighting back the negativity of the last 10 days about his S2 test, whatever that is. I'd like to see the test before I pass judgment on it. I would absolutely defend him on the Wonderlick, I don't know how much different it is. Um, there are people, and I know, you know Tosh was he's doing his bit there uh, about being a bad test taker. I do believe there are bad test takers. I don't think it means you're stupid. Um, but I don't know enough about the S2. No. I know the Wonderlick, I think you can be bad at taking the Wonderlick. I think you can be good at taking the Wonderlick. I think you can be taught how to take the Wonderlick. Now, the problem is when you score like a 6, an 8, a 10, an 11, a 12, you know, when you're in Phil Sims territory, a 14, then you got to question things. And I don't, you know, with the wonder, like, I've never seen, I've seen multiple lists of, and frankly, this shouldn't even be public information, right? It's, right. Uh, but I've seen multiple lists of the people who were the worst at taking the wonder lick. But with the quarterbacks, I would love to see a chart of um, wonder lick score correlated to actual play in the NFL. Yeah. Like, how many sub 20 quarterbacks actually turned out to be pretty good? And how many people like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who scored a 48? And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, his whole career was kind of like the 25th best quarterback in the National Football League. So, like, we never we never bring that one up. Like, right. Well, the 48 meant nothing because, man, he was slightly above average. Right? No one hammers him. Of course not. Now, I will say, if you're a bad test taker, a lot of the reasons why you can't take a test very well is because you don't deal well with pressure. Yep. And, well, here's the thing. That's explainable. But if you're an NFL quarterback, you might have to be able to deal with pressure. Yeah, but the, I, and I, I totally get that. But pressure on the field and, and right with something that you've experienced 
and you have confidence in versus sitting in a, a room with a timer, it, it is different. Oh, yeah. I'm I, you know. not equating each equally, but there is a sense of dealing with pressure in a situation like that that does at least translate somewhat to being an NFL quarterback. And I will say, too, I mean, you can hear it in a clip that we played, and I don't blame him. He sounds, like, really annoyed by it. Yeah. You could argue maybe didn't handle, like, the response, maybe not the greatest, but, like, I would – I would be too. I think it's only human to get that out there and be like, dude, come on. Like and like you said too, what if you take it once and you're like, Oh man, I could have gotten this, this, that, and you just if he takes it again, who knows how much better he does. I'm sure people listening to my defense of CJ Stroud and test taking are assuming I got like a seven forty on the old SATs combined. I was a uh, I don't know, the scoring <laughs> changed on the SATs. It did. Now I see it, I'm like, What? What is going on with the scores now? I um I was actually a test taker, don't do the homework guy. So I just, like, I was good at retaining information. I don't know how much I did in practice, but at least when it came time for the test, I could spit something out. Giveaway time, 364-1100, We got two tickets to ZZ Top playing May 5th in Laughlin at the Rio Vista Amphitheater. Two tickets, caller 7, 364-1100. It's May 5th. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But Laughlin date, May 5th for ZZ Top. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. we got a ton to get into with Xavier Pope right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing, Steve? Uh, real good. Real good. Uh, tons of things to debate and discuss. And uh, in addition to all the things you heard in the rejoinder there, Xavier is our voice of reason at times. So we were just uh, briefly getting into what Giannis said yesterday to a media member asking him, hey, was this season a failure? Um, I, I like that he didn't explode. He answered it in composed fashion. I'm willing to look at things a little bit differently, you know, failure and building to success. But I, I, didn't, I didn't love the analogy um, of what we do in the media, and I think sports are different. So where are you, uh, where are you on this not a failure from Giannis representing the Bucks? I thought it was a very classy um, and a very thoughtful response. Giannis, Giannis is, is, is great to have him one of the faces of the game um, who can give these amazing answers where he takes his time and he considers the person that's at, asking the question. Uh, the, the issue was the gentleman who asked the question twice um, seemed to be drawing attention, more attention to himself and, and trying to antagonize um, Giannis, particularly after the fact he then he writes, um, for the athletic he, and his article following, and he seemed to kind of poke it a little bit more. Um, and so uh, Giannis did his best to kind of keep it cool. But I did, I actually did like the sports journalist analysis. I, he was really making that analysis to life and yeah. saying that he said this, he was really saying there's no failure in sports. There's no failure in life. You know, you, you, you go to work, you take, you try to buy a home, take care of your family, you do what's your best to be the best person you possibly can, and there's no potential time that you quote unquote arrive. Life is a journey, and every step along the way is a learning process to being to growing and being a better person. I think that Giannis was very, 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 very really great in, in talking about it this way, and very gracious, and that's why a lot of people are praising him right now. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, I'll give you a champion of life in his moment today, and this is off the field. There's a lot of people who better apologize for the advice and the critique of Lamar Jackson because he just got his deal. Without an agent, I don't have all the numbers, so I don't like to jump ahead on the, the NFL is real screwy with the numbers. So, But, you know, on the books, it sounds like he just got a little more than Jalen Hurts on both the fully guaranteed part or the guaranteed part and the overall contract. So I was screaming for weeks, you know, 
Viva la revolution! You know, pro-labor for Lamar Jackson. He won. So all the you old won? heads giving him advice, telling him to break, and, hey, you got to do what the billionaire says to do. No, you don't. All the, the chums in the chum bucket of sports media who said Lamar Jackson could not get this done because he didn't have an agent, uh, he was doing it un- unconventionally, or that he, or because he's been hurt, um, and that he maybe he was asking too much. Eat a giant crow, a raven, as a matter of fact. Lamar Jackson won. I, I, we, we both talked about this, Steve, and the fact that what he was doing was something that's going to help other athletes do what he did. He took them all the way to the NFL draft. No team wants to start with a fresh quarterback. Why would they do that? Lamar Jackson knew that. He took them to the brink, even almost at, pretty much got to a point where asking for a trade, and now he gets paid. Salute to Lamar Jackson. Uh, Charles Barkley last week said, quote, Lamar, you're playing with fire, brother. You're going to get burnt. These dudes are all billionaires. They're going to let you screw up. They're, they're not going to let you screw up their business model. You've got to take the best deal. No. No, he had $133 million on the table. He waited till. Jalen Hurts signed his deal, and then right before the draft, they steal the thunder of the entire NFL by getting 185 guaranteed. So, good for Lamar. You got a downside to this? No, I, I don't. I don't I'll, I'll, can I give you the downside? Don't if you to don't have Barkley. one, well, can I give you the downside? What were the Ravens doing? Why? Why have all this ill will and allow people to just smash your franchise guy for months? If this is where you were going to get to anyway. And this is what teams do. I mean, this, I mean, we've seen this with all the different contentious negotiations over the, over the course of NFL history. Um, it's all, it's all, it's all a shot and fraud. I mean, it just it, it it's part of the course. Lamar Jackson seems to have to be signing. The Ravens seems pretty stoked he's back with the team. They're going to act like it never it never happened. And a year from now, we're not even going to think about that whole saga. So is it? I mean, I, I guess my rebuttal, if we're talking about like a downside or looking at it forward, is. Do we not know that if he had an agent, he wouldn't have maybe gotten a little bit more than this? Oh, that's, 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 he's the highest paid player in the National Football League. I mean, it doesn't even yeah. matter. I mean, he, he, did, he, he did what he set out to accomplish to do. He got paid. He got paid. Uh, at his, he felt his market value. It really doesn't matter if he had an agent or not. What matters is he got what he wanted, and yeah. that's the most important part about Lamar Jackson. Silver Sevens, getting ready for the NFL draft. Xavier Pope is with us. All right. I'm passionate about a lot of this stuff. I'll tell you what I'm most passionate about is what Dion is doing, what Coach Prime is doing at Colorado. I think this is crap. Um, they've gone from, you know, the, the 84 people who started last year for Colorado at the start of 22. Uh, it looks like they've pushed out at least 64, maybe 65, maybe 66. And it's the way Dion Sanders is acting about turning over his roster. We understand. We're big boys. We understand, right? You turn over roster sometimes. Listen to Dion when he goes on – with Pat McAfee. It's no way that I could put new furniture in this beautiful home if we don't clean out the old furniture. <laughs> and that's not a shot. I did and not I love, expect that. Change is being made at every business opportunity in this country, and that's what we're going to do. We already know what we got coming in. Y'all just don't know what we got. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I understand. I understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, players are now used furniture. Wow, that's a good recruiting tool for the future. Yeah, Steve, I, it, it, it's Deion Sanders in his preacher voice, right? He tried to make these analogies. The, the, the players, it was a bad analogy. It fell flat. He was talking slick about it. Um, it, 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 it de- definitely degrades the, the value of human beings uh, who are not furniture. They're, they're people. And he, that's something that he's, he's skipped up a couple of times in some of the things he's, he said um, recently. I, I, you know, sometimes when you have a loud mouth like that, it can get you in trouble. 
Yep. Oh, and you got the you know you got the the, the laughter squad on the other end. I'm I'm surprised. I know McAfee's trying to you know run a jokey show, but to me, him laughing right. as another former player, I, I just I don't think you refer to kids like that. Um, I think it disappoints parents. And if I were a parent looking at the school, um, I wouldn't send my kid to Colorado. And if you want to fire back, I'll play. Let me play this JUCO coach um, who backs Dion and then starts going into this whole soft kid thing. But for everybody that has never coached, please just shut the up. All you media people that I see on Twitter right now who are just saying, I'm so glad Auburn hired Hugh Freeze. I'm so glad that my kid ain't going to Colorado. We're a bunch of people who have allowed mediocrity to become our new excellence. False. And, again, there's a way to turn over a roster where you're not insulting a bunch of folks. Strategically, you're hurting your own recruiting efforts in the future. And, by the way, guys, trying to win football games when you've got 18 scholarship players and then you're bringing in probably 22 to 25 you understand you have to run practice? If you don't have any twos and threes, how are you going to run practice? This is this is the dumbest overhaul of a college football program I think I've ever seen. And he's puffing out his chest about it, and people have his back. Because he's Deion Sanders, A. B, you have to also consider Steve. He's never done this before uh, in terms on this on at this level. And but the, the the thing to consider about this is that he has license to do it. That that program was in the absolute dumps. You know, a dead program for a, at a, for a, for a power five school, and so he has a lot of leeway. A couple, he probably has a good two three years before even anyone sniffs whether he's even doing well at the job or not. But meathead like that JUCO coach thinks that like think that you know being stupid and 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 honorary and being a meathead is is something that uh, should be treasured in our society. That it's fading away and people are getting soft. Man, shut up, dude! Like, go out with the pasture with the other idiots that think it's okay to treat people like jerks, and that's going to bring out the best performance out of them. It does not. Well, the other thing, that Xavier, that kind of bothers me about all of this, and it speaks actually to the JUCO coach, right, where he talks about, you know, mm-hmm. you know, mediocrity and allowing that to grow or however he phrased it. Well, Dion handed the quarterback job over to his son with no problem whatsoever. So how you can sit here and say, all these kids are bums, get out, you got to work for everything, all of this kind of stuff, except – for when it comes to my own, because then he's the guy already. We don't have to worry about that, right? Like, that kind of makes your whole entire work hard. You've got to come here and earn it kind of deal. Ring really hollow, doesn't it? Of course it's hollow. And, and, and you know there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, and it's always going to be ones that are making the rules. I think we have Xavier, but his phone's cracking up a little bit. Got him. I'm, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Just give me a short answer. I, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. That, that, that was, that was it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Xavier Pope is with us here on Cofield and Company. Um, I wanted to roll this one by you because I have no idea what you think of the guy. Jerry Springer passed away today at 79 years old. I'll call him a TV pioneer. Now, if you want to say, hey, the TV that he, he helped develop, this kind of combat-style, conflict-style TV is – crap and it's ruined us you can say that but he does have a legacy he does but i mean donahue existed before jerry springer he wasn't at the level of, of jerry springer but some of the topics that jerry springer was touching on donahue had already hit on before he had the jenny jones of the world um but jerry springer um i, I shared this with you now his post is going viral um is his final thoughts after all that craziness that you would see on the show He'd end this show with something that was very thoughtful and thought-provoking about the situation and ways that people should handle it. And it's interesting to think about Jerry Springer was basically like an oversized theater 
with a lesson that you're meant to take it at the end. Would you, would you take the medicine at the end without tuning into the drama that happened before it? I think that's the legacy of Jerry, Jerry Springer, also being a Cincinnati mayor and someone who's been able um, to be able to move along and be um, in politics and, and, and do many different things in his life. He's had a very dynamic life. People will remember Jerry Springer for the nice man he was, not for the hmm. drama of the show. Uh, Gail King and Charles Barkley are going to try a new venture. It's going to be on CNN. It's going to be a primetime show. Uh, I find Barkley kind of infuriating at times, but, hey, that makes good TV. I know you had tweeted out last week his comment that he wants the show to be non-political, but it'll be a no-holds-barred look at current topics. Yeah, that's talking about on both sides of my mouth, right, Steve? I mean, you, you can't talk about no no holds bar when you're trying to put the bar on. I mean, so I, I think that um, it, it basically, I thought it was kind of playing safe to a particular audience in this country, um, and I think that that's something that's to, to look out for. How do you navigate not trying to con- basically uh, offend conservatives, conservative America, red America, but at the same token try to say these, talk about things that are kind of go along the line? That's playing it a little bit too safe. I don't know if that's as, as a recipe or a formula for success. And Gail King and Charles Barkley is an interesting pairing. Um, I'm interested in about the chemistry that happens between them uh, and they're able to carry that through smoothly or not. Uh, last one, off on a tangent with Xavier Pope. One, are you going to watch the draft tonight? Do you have anyone you're rooting for? you have a player story that you're rooting for? There's always really cool redemption stories and success stories. It's a big night for all these guys. Uh, C.J. Stroud, man, come on. Uh, I mean, all the different things that have been said about him and his intelligence. I mean, they, they've just been the dog piling that's happened on this young man, just pursuing his dreams. Just, I, I want him to get drafted in the best possible spot, land with a, a team that he, that's, he's going to have the opportunity, the best opportunity for success. So that's what I'm rooting for this, this night of the, the NFL draft. And um, I'm here for Chicago. I hope the Chicago Bears um, use the, the trade they made uh, wisely to be able to, to build up that team. Xavier, great spot, man. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the draft. Love you guys. Love you too. There you go. Yeah, that wasn't that great. Didn't sound genuine. I think he hung up already. He missed it? He he hung up not even expecting anything. Four o'clock hours on the way as we get you ready for the NFL draft. We're going to carry it through the beginning of the draft after 5 o'clock.